And we're back. I'm Russell. I'm Sean. And this is the Defend and Confirm podcast. The 17th most popular reformed podcast on <laughs> iTunes. In Iceland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome back. Uh, this is our quarterly episode schedule. We, yes. We've finally gotten around to doing another one because yes. uh, the Lord has given us some time. Yeah. And uh, we are going to be continuing now our series on church planting movements, yeah. sometimes called disciple-making movements. We've right. been calling them multiplying movements. Sure, good umbrella term. And we've been critiquing these <clears throat> paradigms pretty heavily, and uh, we're yeah. going to be continuing that now. Yeah. Uh, this may prove to be our least popular series out of all of our unpopular series we've done so far. Uh, maybe even less so than Critical Theory, which was a pretty niche series we thought maybe i mean when we were doing it it seemed niche now it seems like everyone's yeah. talking about it. it's in all the school boards there's a lot of noise about it now we were doing it before it was cool that's, that's all i'm that's saying that's what you're trying to say that's what i'm trying to say but uh even though there's a lot of static around critical theory um we we would say that that this is probably more dangerous in the long run to the gospel uh, than than that right yeah and, and the reason i want to qualify that the reason is because this is more entrenched in mm. Christian ministry, in, yeah. in missions. These church planting, multiplying movement paradigms yeah. are all over the IMB. They're all over many other sending agencies yeah. uh, to, to the point that I'd say the majority of missionaries being sent by evangelicals today are using mm. these strategies. So which means that this is where something like critical theory seems to be prevalent in in the West and in America specifically, this is a global phenomenon that's going to impact the global church. That's right. Okay. So this is important. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> okay. and, and I and I want to stress that because I do want listeners who are, you know, catching the titles of these podcasts and maybe listening for a minute and thinking, ah, oh, this is about missions. Right. I'm not going to be a missionary. Right. Uh, understand that this is this is important for every Christian. Yeah. Because if you are part of a, a healthy church, then your church is going to have some way of giving to the mission field, right. either by sending young people or by supporting others. Right. And you need to know where that money's going. Amen. So we're going to talk today about the local church. Okay. And how... Again, again, with us in that? Well, okay, go ahead. Well, why, why is that important for missions? Why would the local church, and in particular, uh, a missionary's understanding of mm. the local church be important for missions? Well, some would say that it's not important. That would not be us. <laughs> that would not be our position. No, we think the church matters because the Great Commission is not to go out and make individual converts, but to make disciples who then come together to form the body of Christ. Churches, and you see that all throughout the Bible. You know, you see it in the Book of Acts. Uh, what happens? The disciples preach the gospel. People get saved. They come together and form churches. The vast majority of the New Testament is composed of letters written to people who have come together to form churches. The local church really matters. That's right. Uh, let's turn to Scripture briefly. Okay. And uh, if you'll read for us Ephesians 3, 7 through 10. Okay. Here we go. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring delight for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that... See that emphasis there? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Amen. Amen. So it's through the church that the wisdom of God is revealed to the world. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's not just the wisdom of God. That's what Paul highlights there. Yep. But the wisdom of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, everything that God is doing through his son for this lost and dying world is something that is being channeled through this organism, family, organization, whatever, all body. The body. It's happening through the church. Yes. And that's manifest in our world through particular or local churches. That's right. Uh, and it's, so it's, this is God's providential plan for the spread of and the preservation of his gospel. So if you care about the spread of the gospel, you, ca- you have to care about the church. You have to make sure that it's understood correctly and ordered rightly. So uh, Andy Johnson, who we both know, has yeah. ri- written an excellent little book on missions. Uh, so it's good. one of the nine marks books. Can he, we link that in the... Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. We'll have our, our If you're listening right now and you glance in the description, you'll yes. find out if I remember this. Right. Yes. Uh, so he puts it this way. Establishing Christ-centered churches that are sufficiently mature to multiply and endure among peoples who have had little or no access to Jesus's message is the missionary goal. Mm. So why are we talking about this? Well, our critique of CPM and DMM practitioners and authors is that at best we found that they have a very poor understanding of what a local church is. And at worst, they pretty much disregard what the Bible talks about when it talks about local churches okay. uh, and, and describes and even defines what local churches okay. are. So right out of the gates, let's go ahead and define for our listeners what a local church is. Ah, the very exciting work of <laughs> defining our terms and using language accurately. Okay. <laughs> this is why five people listen to these podcasts. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, a church is just a, people who are gathered together in the name of Christ, covenanted together. Is that too simple? Well, it's not wrong. Okay. And we can elaborate a little bit on that. Um, you know, most of the Protestant reformers would have said a true church mm. has two marks. Okay. Preaches the gospel. And practices the ordinances. Practices the ordinances. A, a little bit more full definition of the church might be something like this. A local church is a group of Christians— Check. Christians. Christians. Who gather regularly in Christ's name. So gathering, you have to be in the same place. Under the name, you have to have a right understanding of the gospel. To preach the gospel. To do what we're supposed to do. Observe the ordinances. Yeah. So they're the two marks for a true church. And to affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Protecting the who and the what of the gospel. Yeah. So here, here we get all the one another commands in scripture. And we get the Matthew 18 charge to... Uh, to exercise church discipline, corrective discipline when necessary in the body. Which we're going to keep coming back to throughout the episode. So that's the biblical definition of a church. Good. And now we're going to go and compare that with the way that DMM, CPM authors, describe or define the church. So let's look at uh, disciple-making movements first. So disciple-making movements are a little bit more modern than church-planting movements. They They came around more recently, and they just... They dropped the word church. Mm. So off to a great start. Rebranding. Rebranding, yeah. And, and the way they'd say that is, okay, church planting movements are focused, that language is focused on the goal. That's still our goal, they would say. Okay. But we're talking about the process, the disciple-making process. So, all right, well, let's look at what they mean okay. by that. all right. Well, for disciple-making movements, they generally have these discovery groups that have functionally replaced what we would call a local church. And we've talked a little bit about the discovery groups, the uh, discovery Bible studies, if you will, in our episode on obedience-based discipleship. So go back and listen to that episode. Go back and listen to that. Uh, Let's hear a definition of these discovery groups from Jerry Trousdale, who's written on this. A group of lost people gathered by a person of peace... Go back and watch our episode yeah, on that. Yeah, we did a critique of that as well. Yep. A group of lost people gathered by a person of peace to discover 
and obey God's word and to begin living out the core elements of a Christian community in a context where it has a high probability of becoming a church. Hmm. Yeah, interesting, huh? Now, you're not saying this is their definition of a church. I Well, no, I'm okay. not. So this begs the question, though, okay, well, what, what is a church then? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between a discovery group that hasn't become a church and the discovery group that does become a church? Well, okay. let's pause here. In other words, this, these discovery groups are, are groups of unconverted persons. Right, it says it right there, a yeah. group of lost people. Yep, gathered together to form what Trousdale calls the core elements of a Christian community. Yikes. So... Again, it's not clear from reading his work when these groups suddenly are blessed with the label of church. Is it when you have 51% of the people in the group converted? That's a great question. Okay. So Jerry uh, Trousdale and Glenn Sunshine actually go on to define a church like this. Okay. They say the church is a community of Christ followers that worships God, discovers and obeys God's word, experiences the biblical one another's. Okay. And whose members form new groups of obedient disciples that grow into new churches. So let's let's break that down a little bit and compare that to the definition of the church that we began with. Okay. First, I want you to notice that the community of believers, of Christians, has been replaced very specifically with Christ followers. Mm. Uh, what's the difference? Well, a follower, somebody who's obeying the teachings of Jesus, is not necessarily somebody who's converted. Yeah, so the the language here is so obtuse as to... We could listen to that language, right? We could hear someone say Christ follower, and we could interpret that as Christian. That's right. Regenerate, converted. But based off of what we just saw from them, that may not be what they mean. In particular, when you go back and listen to our critique of obedience-based discipleship, below the surface of this is the notion that someone can be a disciple and and be be following Christ before they're converted, which is profoundly unbiblical. Yeah. So next, uh, let's look at this. The gospel, remember, one of the marks of the church is right. the true gospel. Yep. Noticeably absent from this definition. They're discovering and obeying God's word. That's right. Um, yeah, Protestants is, have always affirmed that the true church is marked by the right preaching of the gospel and, the, and practicing the ordinances. Well, Trousdale and Sunshine feel like that they can just dispense with this explicit proclamation of the gospel. Uh, and again, this is tied up with their idea of obedience-based discipleship. Uh, that to follow Jesus faithfully can just be these outward commands of Christ that you obey mm. uh, rather than the converting power of the gospel and, and, and a regenerate heart. Right. Third, notice that the ordinances are absent from this definition. So yeah. Lord's Supper, baptism, uh, these are marks of the true church. Uh, but again, they don't appear... They literally mark out the they, church. They literally mark out the church. Yeah. That's right. Uh, by That's that's how God designed these things to right. function. And yet these ordinances aren't in Trousdale and Sunshine's definition here. Yeah. So let's look at another DMM author. Uh, this okay. is C. Anderson. And, and I want you to notice, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll pick up on this in a second. I'm giving you the best definitions first. Ah. So it goes downhill from here. Oh. C. Anderson defines churches as groups of people who are following Jesus and committed to obey his commands together. Mm. So some similarities here in compared to Trousdale and Sunshine's definition in, in what's lacking. Right. So no mention of regeneration, no mention of these being converted people right. who are actually Christians. Uh, now we have no mention of regular gathering, again, no mention of the ordinances, and no no mention of the explicit preaching of the gospel. Yeah. It's just this this ambiguous language of following and obeying. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, Ray Moran, who we've uh, we've actually mentioned his definition of a church previously in another episode. He says a church is a group of people who relate to God through obedience to his wisdom in the Bible, relate to one another through regular connections for mutual encouragement and challenges, uh, relate to their world by bringing God's order from heaven to earth through multiplicative, <laughs> multiplicative there mm. we go, disciple making. So <laughs> same problems. I don't even know what you just said to critique it. So Yeah. So there, again, uh, no... No precondition that these be regenerate people, Mm -hmm. that they're actually converts, uh, that the Holy Spirit has actually changed their hearts. Uh, No mention of regular gathering. We have this language of regular connections. Uh, No mention of the ordinances, once again, and no explicit preaching and teaching of the gospel. Russell, are are we being nitpicky? Is is this episode... (laughs) For a very good reason. For a very good reason. I mean, we're just like, okay, we're, we're critiquing three different definitions of a church, but maybe it's just semantics. Maybe they're just not communicating these things as well. Maybe the, you know they can't communicate their theology as, as well as they actually hold it. Uh, I think that's a very charitable question to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's assume that all of the brothers and sisters who are writing these definitions of the church really are just struggling to put into words what Christians have been capable of putting into words for 2,000 <laughs> okay, years. Okay. Uh, and, and it's just lost on them okay. that, these, that these things could be said differently. I pray that's true. I see very little evidence that that's actually the case. And on top of that, if these were just Christians writing posts on their Facebook wall, that'd be one thing. Yeah. But that's not what they're doing. No. They're uh, ostensibly trainers of missionaries and missionary agencies. These definitions of what a church is, uh, these definitions are influencing the way missions are being carried out globally. These individuals all have significantly bigger platforms than we do. Yeah. And they are pushing these very poor understandings of the local church to their followers. That's right. Uh, So I I think one of the ways that we can be sure that this isn't just um, oversight is when we look at the way CPM and DMM authors describe how they arrive at their definition of a church. Okay. So they tell us. They, yeah, they, they tell us. Uh, we're going to go to the church planting camp now and talk about David Garrison, who's okay. the, the godfather of the church planting movements. Is that like Camp David, the yeah. church planting camp? <laughs> oh, you mean church planting movements, yes, their I'm, camp. Okay. I'm going to ignore that. Uh, Garrison uh, dedicates one page of his book, Church Planting Movements, okay. out of 346 pages mm. to defining what a local church is. Okay. This is what he says. The Bible has clear guidelines for defining a church and its leadership. Amen. So far, so good. Great. He goes on. Church planting movements are often derailed by well-intentioned yet inflated definitions for a church or overwhelming requirements for church leadership. Christ identified the church with himself. He foreshadowed this reality when he told his disciples, where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. And that's it. Mm. That's his definition of a church, which really is no definition at all. He's so worried about people overinflating the definition of the church that he reduces it to the point of nothing. So he spends more time talking about how it's dangerous to have too particular a a definition of a church than he does actually giving us a definition. And I think that's an important balance to recognize. Um, That's that's the side he's leaning towards. Uh, And what you'll find if you you look at more of his writing and similar... uh, guys in these camps, you'll find that they actually don't think the Bible says very much about what a church is. They Mm. think the Bible defines the local church very narrowly. Uh, You know, in other words, if you went to the New Testament and I I said, Sean, I want you to 
read your New Testament and make a list, write down everything that a church is and should do. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how we got our definition right. from the Bible. Yeah. And and I think they would come to that and then walk away with a very short list. Like three bullet points. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Garrison has made this super clear uh, more recently in a, in a podcast where he was asking a lot of questions about this. And he okay. says, Christ did not mandate a particular form or style for a church. And so you see the early church having elements in it taken right out of the synagogue. But you see other elements that were taken right out of Greco-Roman society in the first century. Mm. So... What's behind this? Well, it's this idea that the church is just a bare bones thing and culture and preferences of the individuals who form that church yeah. are what form requirements for leadership, what kinds of offices you have in the church, the polity or the, the governance of the church, uh, what even what sacraments or ordinances you perform in the church. Yeah. Uh, and we would say that's absolutely wrong. Yeah. So so he understands the church to be like Jesus and then pull anything from anywhere and slap it on top of that. Yeah, and he, he it's interesting. He uses the word form and the word style and right. the word element mm-hmm. as all interchangeable, right. all things that you could just take or leave. Whereas we would distinguish between elements and forms. And circumstances. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and these aren't biblical words, no. but they're very important. They're categories. very helpful. Uh, yeah. And and let's walk through those briefly. Okay. Um, circumstances would be like, uh, what time do we meet on Sunday? Yeah, that's right. Or what kind of building do we have to gather in? Right. It's Pointy not, steeple, you do what you shopping gotta do. mall, right. whatever. However the Lord blesses you, yeah. whatever circumstances you're presented with, you make the best of okay. it. Okay. Uh, styles, or we say forms. Forms, yeah. So the Lord commands his people to sing, mm-hmm. right? But we may sing with a piano and a guitar. We may sing in some other way. Acapella. Sure, yeah. But singing is the element, right? But the, the form of that may change. And then we have elements, which which, yeah. which you've just described, the things that we are commanded to do. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's interesting that Garrison so sloppily uses these terms interchangeably as if they're all the same, when they're very clearly, by biblical standards, are not. Yeah, that's right. He goes on. All of those churches, he's talking about New Testament churches, okay. were measured not by some New Testament ideal, but by the idea of Jesus Christ himself, and he was the standard. When I was writing the Church Planting Movement booklet, we wanted to see... Is it biblical what we're seeing out here? And talking about the churches that were being planted. Yeah. And we were looking at the New Testament church and we realized that's not where we find our standard. We find it in the life, the teaching, the work of Jesus. So that the church is a continuation of what Jesus began. And that should be our measure. And it should be for every church in the world. Not, is it a New Testament church? Is it a Jesus faithful church? End quote. So the, the most immediate thing that stands out to me there is this pitting uh, of Jesus against the New Testament, yes. right? As if the person and work of Christ is in some way different than what the New Testament might say about the the organization that he created. Yes. Yeah, this is classic red-letter Bibling. Yeah. Like, how do you know anything about what Jesus taught except for from your New Testament? Right. Uh, Jesus is the author of the entire New Testament. So to, to pit those two against each other is not only a false dichotomy, it's the dangerous slippery slope that much of like mainstream progressive Christianity and yeah. Christian liberalism has fallen down. So we would say to to David, like if he was here in the room with us, brother, we're so thankful that you are searching the scriptures, trying to see if what we the church that you see out there in the world is is lining up with scripture. Yes. But this is not the way. Well, I suspect what happened is he was with his I mean, I'm making an inference here. 
but when he says we were looking around at these church planting movements and trying to measure them against the New Testament church to see if they were truly churches or at least healthy churches, yeah. he says, you know, we realize that can't be the standard. I suspect the reason for that is because what he saw was not lining up with the New Testament mm. church. So a couple more quotes from okay. Garrison. Uh, he says, I'm amazed at these guys that say, yeah, but these churches aren't structured properly. You know, critics of church planting movements. You, like me. you yeah. and I. He goes on. They would rather see a church done that way than see lost people come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's a serious sickness, and frankly, it's heresy. Strong words. Very strong words. Very strong words. Yeah, we would respond, I think, in a couple ways. Uh, the first one would be that... I think he's presenting this as if we have a particular tribal preference mm. that we would want to see. I mean, he's assuming, again, circumstance, form, element, all the same. Take what yeah. you want, get rid of what you don't like. Yeah. Fit what a church is to the preferences of the people who are being converted. Yeah. And if you assume that, then yeah, it probably does sound like people coming in and saying, that's not right, are just imposing yeah. some extra biblical standard. And to be fair, maybe he has seen that. We've, you know, there's usually people have these opinions because they've seen these kinds of yes. abuses. Maybe he did see someone out there trying to plant a church where they said, if we can't have an organ in the church, then it's, it's not going to be a church. It's no church at all. No church at all. But that's not typical, I don't think. No, and, and I, I think that that's why it's so important not to conflate these categories. Mm -hmm. So if we have circumstance, which is fairly trivial, form, which is really up to the wisdom of the congregation, mm -hmm. and then element, which is non-negotiable, mm -hmm. you can't mix those up and, yeah. and end up with the right answer. Yeah. And so I would say maybe maybe Garrison has had some people who generally should be rebuked on this, yeah. uh, but that's not our critique. Our critique is when we say these churches aren't structured proper, properly, we're saying these churches aren't faithfully obeying Christ's design for the local church as found in Scripture. And, and, and we would say, you know, he's saying the design of the church versus people getting saved. And we would say, brother, no, the design of the church is the thing that will ensure that more people get saved. You have a corrupted church. The gospel will fall into darkness. Yes. Medieval Roman Catholicism, a thousand years, anyone, yeah. right? No, we want the church to be healthy and strong so that as many people as possible can get saved. Yes, the 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 God-ordained prescriptions for what a church is in the New Testament are the way that God spreads the gospel and preserves the gospel for his people. That's right. So let's finish this uh, section up with one more quote from David Garrison. Okay. So I think we get a little bit of a glimpse as, as to why guys like Garrison have stripped down the biblical definition of a church to the just the these bare bones that aren't really accurate. Okay. Uh, and it looks to me like the desire to preserve these church planting movements and, and defend their speediness. Okay. Um, so he says this on, on, on rapidity, on the speed, this emphasis on things being as fast as possible. Okay. He says the speed is not negotiable. He goes on. You may say, but our churches aren't that way in the West. Exactly. That's a sickness we have in the West. And he says, you know, we don't, we don't really believe Jesus is the only way. If we did, we would also see rapid reproduction of new believers, new disciples, and consequently new churches. So again, we have this We've, we've critiqued this since the very first episode of this right. podcast, which is this mechanistic view of salvation. That if I do the right strategy or if I you know, set things up correctly, then God guarantees the results. And, it's gonna be, and those results are going to be fast. They will be fast and they will happen. So we've just covered a lot of ground. Yeah. We've read a lot of quotes. It sounds like we are, like you said earlier, just nitpicking some theological terms and some understandings of the church yeah. that are 
you know, maybe we're being a little uncharitable. Maybe they're being a little unclear. Maybe both. Yeah. Uh, here's the big issue. Okay. I don't want to turn this into uh, let's open the Bible and see how prescriptive God is on how a church should function, how it should be organized, who the offices and leadership are. Look, okay. Let's not do that. Okay. Let's just point out what I think is a bigger concern right now. Okay. Get get to the crux of the matter. We're Baptists. Amen, brother. The biggest Baptist sending agency for missionaries is? The IMB. IMB. It's, uh, it's enormous. We send thousands of missionaries all over the world. Uh, Garrison served, David Garrison served for 40 years in the IMB and some mm. of the highest leadership positions you can have. Mm. He is ex- extremely influential there, uh, as are many of these DMM teachers. Okay. And just a survey of the way missionaries are uh, thinking these days yeah. would tell you that majority of them are doing this stuff. Oh, and and by the way, people, when they say, oh, this isn't as influential as as you guys are saying it is, it is. We're getting emails and messages, yeah. people telling us from Egypt to other places we can't say. This is all over the place. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, yes. Deeply embedded. So let's look at what the IMB website says about a church. So we have our biblical definition. Yep. Okay. We have the DMM, CPM definition. And now we're going to say IMB. Yeah. So this, this comparison will give us some clarity. Yeah. Let's keep okay. comparing and contrasting. The IMB states... We believe that every local church is autonomous under the lordship of Jesus Christ and the authority of his inerrant word. This is as true overseas as it is in the United States. Some churches to which we relate overseas may make decisions in doctrine and practice which we would not choose. Nevertheless, we are accountable to God and to Southern Baptists for the foundation we lay when we plant churches, for the teaching we give when we train church leaders, and for the criteria we use when we count churches. So can and, I just can I just pause you real quick? Do it. So he they're saying, listen, we understand that on the mission field the the circumstances may vary and even some of the forms may vary to, to the point where we wouldn't do it that way. Yeah. But but and then he goes on. Okay. Well, and, and they're even saying, like, as if you're faithful in your planting efforts yeah, right. and then the Lord calls you somewhere else, yeah. you did what you could do. That's yeah. That's and right. if that church starts doing weird stuff after you've left, can't control it. That's that's okay. yeah. Sorry. In our church planting and teaching ministries, we will seek to lay a foundation of beliefs and practices that are consistent with the Baptist faith. And message, which to be clear, this is where Garrison or somebody else might say, "You see, they're just importing their doctrine." No, but they understand the Baptist faith and message to be a summary of the truths of Scripture. That's right. right. Okay. And the Baptist faith and message, which is a a governing document of the Southern Baptist Convention yeah. and is accepted by the Southern Baptists everywhere, yeah. uh, says this. They were quoting another document. Okay. So these are the these are the churches that the IMB is planting are trying to lay foundations that are consistent with this right here. Okay, here we go. A New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel, observing the two ordinances of Christ, governed by his laws, exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word, and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Pause. Pause. It's a little wordy, but it's the same thing we said that we it's yeah. it's our biblical definition of a church. That's right. Okay. Yeah, it's we have baptized believers. Mm-hmm. We have associate, not followers. Not followers. Yeah. Right. We have uh the fellowship of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We have the observ- observation of the ordinances. Uh we have all of those things that are just curiously omitted from yeah. the CPM DMM definitions right. of a church. Okay. It goes on. Each congregation operates under the lordship of Christ through democratic processes. So 
We have congregational autonomy. That tells you right there that there's some denominational judgments being made yeah. here. Uh, we have democratic processes, which essentially is congregationalism mm -hmm. that's in view right there. So those are two polity issues that are prescribed now yeah. in the Baptist faith and message as yeah. being correct biblically. And just to be clear, right now we're talking to Baptists. That's right. Yeah. Okay. You, you may be a Presbyterian listening yeah. to this like, well, what does this have to do with me? Yeah. Hang in there. Yeah. Uh, in such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. It, scriptural officers are pastors and deacons. While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified in Scripture. So let's just pause right there. Yeah, We've got particulars about polity, about how the church should be structured, about who the officers are, who's yeah. qualified to be these officers. These are all things that the IMB is supposed to be doing through their missionaries when they plant churches. They're supposed to be laying these foundations. And you have leaders in the IMB, though, though no longer. I want to make that clear. David, okay. David Watson is no longer in the IMB, but sorry, David Garrison. Yeah. David Watson is also influential in the IMB. These, these guys are extremely influential on what missionaries are thinking and doing in the field. And they're saying, no, none of that stuff matters. None of that right. stuff is prescriptive biblically. Just go out and make Jesus communities. Yeah, and and so the 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 what we want you to see here is that listen, just we want you to see the inconsistency. If yes. you're a member of a Baptist church, if you're a pastor of a Baptist church, if you're giving to the IMB for the sake of missions, you know, you're, the Lottie Moon Fund or whatever, we want you to see that your denomination has already decided what a church is and how that definition of a church should be carried out on the mission field, and yet that same denomination is buying into a philosophy of missions that directly contradicts that. So we've been talking theology for a bit here, but but fundamentally the biggest problem I see here is an ethical one. Because okay. you've got little old ladies uh, at Southern Baptist churches, like mine, right. uh, who are giving to the Lottie Moon Fund this week. Okay. And they're under the impression that their money is going to the IMB to plant churches that are defined this way. Right. So practicing the ordinances, explicitly preaching the gospel, uh, some sort of congregational polity and, and actually yeah. qualified pastors. I love that language that they use of, of laying a foundation. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so... And instead is going towards something that's really doing the exact opposite. Yes. Yeah. And the IMB is well aware of the teachings of these CPM, DMM leaders, and there are still more people, missionaries, in the IMB doing this than not. Yeah. And so we just want transparency. You yeah. Know, if, if the IMB wants to go full CPM DMM, then do it. Do it, and make sure that uh, you know Glenda at my church, who's eighty and is giving to your funds, knows that. Yeah. And this is just as important for our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, Methodists, you know, Anglicans. If you have a particular view of the church, the ordinances, the proclamation of the gospel, right. uh, who is and isn't qualified to be a pastor, is a pastor even an office? Like, yeah, these right. are all questions that I'm sure you have answers to. And you want to support missionaries who are at least laying these good foundations, yeah. not missionaries who think none of this matters and whether or not there are pastors and whether or not those pastors are men and whether or not the gospel is preached each Sunday is just as, as insignificant as what color the carpet is. Right. That's the DMM CPM approach. And that is not where you want missionary funds going. Amen, brother. I don't think we can end on a higher note than that. Uh, Russell, this is, yes, our last episode of Critique on, on this stuff? I think so, yeah. We, we're going to, hopefully, Lord willing, we will get together and we will do one more podcast in this series that casts a positive vision 
for what missions uh, should look like. So we've yeah. done a great job just tearing everybody down. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a gift. We don't want to tear down the most popular missions paradigms out there today and not offer something that we think is more faithful yeah. and is an alternative that yeah. you can then start to steer people towards. So we may even have a special guest for that one. Ooh, let me guess. Jerry Seinfeld. And that's all we have that's for today. Have so for today. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Yep. Signing off. I'm Sean. I'm Russell. Take care.